last night when I went to sleep, I'd planned to start a new series this morning, and uh, and I've kind of I've wrote the message and and I'm on the way, and that was the message I was going to start to deliver. And can I just be honest? Um, I woke up this morning and I felt compelled uh, uh, to actually preach something else, and I said, God, I'd prepared something, and you want something else. So at five o'clock, I uh, I took a message. Uh, that I believe God wants to speak to people today, uh, and He wants to share something today. I I don't know. It it, it uh, I think it all relates to us. I think God wants to, uh, but maybe particularly it might relate to several people. But uh, let's go for. It. Is that cool? Okay. So uh, Mark chapter eight, verse twenty-two to twenty-five. I want to read these verses, and it, and it said this. Then he who being who's he? That's Jesus. Uh, then Jesus came to Bethsaida. And they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. And so he took the the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes, he put his hands on him. And uh, he asked if he saw anything. And the man looked up and said, I see men like trees, what, walking. And then he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up. And he was restored, and he saw everyone, what, clearly. Wow. I uh, find this one of the most fascinating passages of Scripture. Uh, And the reason I find it uh, fascinating is for the same reason that I find it fascinating that someone like Ash Barty, who was the number one women's tennis player in the world, and mind you, she is Australian, yay, um, uh, could go to the, could win the Grand Slam event of Wimbledon in London, this year, and yet go to the Olympics and lose in her first game of the singles at the Tokyo Olympics. That fascinates me. Uh, I don't know the answer to her, uh, to that, but I'm sure Ash does, and that's cool. Uh, but it fascinates me, and for that reason, because champions are not supposed to lose so easily. Is that right? We have an expectation. I had an expectation. Ash Barty going to the Olympics, surely the gold medal is going to be hers. I mean, she won a bronze in the, in the doubles, but uh, that's besides the point. So we know them as champions because they don't fail or they shouldn't fail. And yet on this occasion, this is what fascinates, fascinates me with this passage, and on this occasion it seems that Jesus himself for a moment has failed. It failed to heal a blind man, well, at least straight away anyway, at least straight away. In actual fact, I read the chapter before Mark chapter 8 where this story unfolded. I read chapter 7 and there was a man who was deaf and Jesus brought, put his fingers in his ears and he was healed instantly of, from his deafness. I read chapter 10 of Mark's gospel, uh, a couple chapters after chapter 8 of our story, and it talks about a man called Bartimaeus who also was blind and it says Jesus healed him instantly, instantly. And so I'm kind of thinking about that. In actual fact, I've never read of a time in the Bible where Jesus had to lay hands on someone else twice. I, there is no other time in the Bible, is there, where he actually laid hands on him and the man could just see kind of partially or blurry and yet Jesus put his hands again on him and he could see clearly. Um, so here, it's interesting. Why did Jesus have to touch the guy twice? Why did Jesus have to go a second time, have a second go, a double dip, so to speak? Why did he have to do that? Is there some possible explanation? And I just, and you know, I thought about it, uh, and maybe the man was lacking in faith. 
That's a reality, hey? Uh, the miracle took a little longer because this man needed to believe a little, what? Harder. But you know what? To be honest, uh, there was those who Jesus healed that had very little faith. Um, Mark chapter 9, the man with the son who had an evil spirit actually said to Jesus, I believe, Jesus, but would you help my unbelief? And Jesus delivered his son. And so I see uh, Jesus did heal people who had faith, but sometimes he healed people to help them get faith. Uh, and so the explanation doesn't really address the issue I'm talking about in, in Mark 8. That explanation doesn't fit. Maybe, maybe another possibility. Another possibility, maybe Jesus was having a bad day. Have you ever had a bad day? Woke up on the wrong side of bed? Um, <laughs> Ash Barty had a bad day, obviously. She didn't win the very first game against, mind you, the, the lady she played was a 48th in the world. Ash is number one in the world, and she lost to a 48th player. Uh, now, in the end, uh, Ash was probably just having a bad day. And that's the thing I like about Ash Barty. She's like, whatever. I'm the number one, but who? in the end, I lost. That's cool. I'll move on. I like that. But she was having, a, I suppose, a dad, bad day. But you know what? I, I, I distinctly, as I read Scripture and as I think of God and Jesus Christ, he never really had a bad day within himself. He had bad things happen to him, but he never had a bad day. So, you know, Jesus was God in the flesh, and he doesn't have bad days. And so the reality is that explanation doesn't really cut it as well. None of these reasons give us an answer. And, I, and I, let's be honest, this morning again, I read several Bible commentaries real quick because I've got them on, an, I've got them on a certain um, you know, piece of uh, wonderful technology on my computer. I can read them all. And, 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 I, 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 and I read a couple of Bible scholars, and they all seek to offer views. But you know what? They're all different. They're all different. Nothing wrong. Nothing wrong with their views. They're all, you know, theologically kind of pretty good, but they're all different. But here's my discovery about Mark chapter 8. Here's my discovery. No one really knows why Jesus took two times to cure this man. No one really knows. And you know what? We won't know until we get to heaven. Who wants to ask God some questions when you get to heaven? Yeah, just, yeah. <laughs> Oh, that'll be one of mine. Why did you, Jesus, why did you touch him twice? Have to touch him twice. So no one really knows. But I would like to suggest to you this morning, I do know why Mark included it in the gospel. Well, my understanding today. And so today I want to speak to you this morning on God's not finished with you yet. God's not finished with you yet. This story is in the Bible for every person this morning who's ever felt that they've still got a way to go. Uh, for every person who maybe feels like their marriage still hasn't, it's got a way to go before it gets better. For every person who feels like, you know, my character and my, the way I deal, it, it's still got a way to go. And for every person who feels like they've got a handle, they, they've had a handle on dealing with issues, but then something happens and I react badly and I find out I've still got a way to go. For every person this morning who wants to be able to say, my life wants to, I want it to be a reflection of Jesus, but you know, I still have a little way to go. Because right here in Scripture, a blind man is touched by Jesus and declares, I can see, uh, sort of. And, and, and this is why it's here in the Bible, because God's not finished yet. 
God's not finished yet. This side of heaven, God's not finished. I stood on a podium in grade eight. Um, uh, I had great expectations of standing as a, no, it wasn't a podium, it was a starting block. Let's get it straight. It was a swimming race. It was the, it was the Gladstone State Hospital swimming carnival. Um, and in grade eight, I was full of confidence that I never swam much in my life, but I was full of confidence that day that I could actually probably win this event, this 50 meter freestyle, if not get a placing. So I was full of confidence, full of my own expectations. And I did notice the other guys on the blocks um, wore those little um, speedos. Is that what you call them? I, I thought, hmm. Some um, and one or two like me. I had my board shorts on. They went from my hips to my knees. They had two big pockets, one either side. I later found out that's an incredible. Uh, what happens when you dive into water and wear board shorts? The pockets fill up with water and uh, act as a drag. But anyway, in hindsight, I didn't know that at that wonderful moment as a young grade eight, just full of dreams and visions about what he could do in the swimming world. Never swam much in my life, but I could win this race. So the gun went off and we all dived in. <laughs> I'm 15 seconds into the race and I think oh, I must be pretty close to the finish. So I thought I'd pop my head up. As I popped my head up, I saw nearly every person was in front of me to my dis disheartened. <laughs> every person nearly was in front of me. In, in actual fact, one or two had finished and I got to the end and I was second last. Have you ever had reality slap you in the face? You see, I've come to that understanding that the reality, sometimes we think we're making progress and reality comes along and it reminds us that we've still got a way to go. In actual fact, I think as a Christian, humbly, we need to continually be aware that we've got a way to go. But that's okay. Because God doesn't finish with us at a certain point and say, you've made it. He doesn't say, well, you, you know, you're not going to make it. God's never finished with us. I love the reality. See, we all have times like this blind man when ex we're expected to open our eyes and everything to be crystal clear. And you know what? It's still a little bit blurry. Sometimes it's just individual situations and are just a little bit blurry. Maybe the future's a little bit blurry. We can all have times and, and, and wonder why I'm not further down the track than I am. And that can be life for a lot of us sometimes. And the lesson of Mark chapter 8 is that no matter how blurry or hazy things seem to get, don't what? Don't give up. Don't quit. God's not finished. Why should you? It's such a great Bible story. And it's amazing how people can debate over this biblical exegesis. Uh, sorry, don't worry about that word. It just means interpretation of the text. So people can argue over this, and you know, as I read different commentaries on that, of why Jesus had to take a double dip of this man's needs to get it right. Such a debate misses the bigger issue, church. Such a debate misses the bigger issue all along. Why debate of why? Because the truth is, the issue is not that Jesus had to pray twice, but the main issue is that Jesus did pray twice. He did. And the key issue is that Jesus had to touch the man again, but the key issue is he did touch the man again, and he was willing to do it. He was willing to do it. Who knows, I mean, how long this man had been blind. 
how many people had given up on him. Maybe he was too hard basket for many people. But Mark reminds us that instead of Jesus putting him in the too hard basket, Jesus looked at him graciously and loved this man and saw a person who God wasn't finished with yet. And I don't know why Jesus had to touch him twice, but, I, but he did, just did. And thus I know why your marriage, I don't know why your marriage may have failed. I don't know why your business failed. I don't know why kids run off the trail, some, off the track sometimes and walk around the Lord. I don't know any of the answers to those questions. But one thing I do know this morning, despite all the heartaches and failings, all of my own stupidity or our stupidity, God doesn't finish me up and say, you're finished, you're dried up, you had it, you can't do it anymore. He doesn't say that. He says, I've still got a, there's a way to go and I'm going to be with you. And that message is an oasis in a barren place, maybe for some of us this morning. When I understand that God's not finished with me, can I share with you just three things? Three things today. If God's not finished with me, God's not finished with you today, I can continue. I can go on. Because it says, we are a work in progress. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says, I am God's workmanship. I am God's workmanship. For is the workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I am God's workmanship. You are God's workmanship. In other words, if, if the analogy was stretched a little further, he's the carpenter, which he literally was, uh, Jesus, for a while. Uh, and and where, uh, where, where that lump of wood, where whatever he has to form us into, he's the potter, where the clay, whatever imagery you'd like to set today. I was uh, a boy of 12, and my mum and dad wanted to renovate their house. And, uh, and so the carpenters moved in and there was a lot of sawdust and there was a lot of offcuts of wood and there was a lot of noise and it was a bit chaotic and it was a bit messy. And, you know, in hindsight, I, I, I thought maybe we should have just gone and rented another house for six weeks while they did the job and they just ring us up and say, we're finished, come back and live here again. But, but that's not what we did. But, you know, in life, the truth is we have to live in the house while God is renovating it. You and I live in the house. He doesn't say, just step aside, let me work on your character. You just go and have a holiday. No, we've got to live in this house. He works on it while we're living in. We have to live life. And through as we live life, it's amazing how he just wants to renovate. He wants, he says, come on, keep on, continue, keep on, continue, keep on moving forward. Because the renovation process hasn't worked. And, the, and that in life, the truth is we have to live in this house and it can get a bit noisy. And you know, this morning, if you, in my life, you hear it getting a bit noisy, it's okay. God's not finished with me yet. He's just renovating. And please, do not, uh, don't write off a wreck that's an incredible reno. Your life may be, seem like wrecked right now, but maybe it's just a reno. It's, it's happening. It's a reestablishment. So continue. Um, I'm not saying that imperfections don't matter. Of course, I'm not saying, I'm not, but what I am saying is when you understand that God's not finished, you can find the grace to continue to function in the midst of the work. And we have to. And I'm interested that this blind man did not panic when his vision was blurred. I, I, he didn't throw the towel in because he knew something. He possibly knew that somehow Jesus wasn't maybe finished with him yet. And, and Jesus didn't say, well, that's it. That's all I've got. You know, blurred vision is better than clear vision. You had nothing before. You got blurred vision. Live life. No, he didn't say that. Uh, Jesus had not given up on this blind man. On this blind man, he sure hadn't given up on us. And maybe the 
vision's a bit blurred, but you can continue. People who understand that can live. Listen, people who understand that you can continue and live with the realities of things that aren't perfect. Sometimes you've got to live with the realities that they aren't perfect. I didn't say you accept the realities of imperfection, but you can, you can continue on knowing that God's not finished with you because the other option is to sit on your hands and look at my failings and issues and say, I'm finished. And if God is not finished, um, you can't say that. We can sit down and say, it's done. It's as far as I go. Until our dying breath, I know that God's going to continue to work. Continue. Why? Because he loves you and he loves humanity. And your life is just not about you. Your life is about the people that you'll love and speak to and touch and relate your renovation to. Sometimes, well, oh, I've been through this. It's amazing what God will use you for. But you've got to continue. You've got to continue. We're under construction. It's not a wreck, but a good work. It's a work of grace, a reno so I can continue. So if I can continue, I can do the next thing. The set number two is I can change. If I can continue, I can change. The blind man doesn't stay blind. Good story. Hey, it ends well. Uh, nor do they say his eyes stay hazy or blurry. In the fact, in the space of four verses, it's amazing how much he does change. In Mark chapter 1, verse 17, in relation to um, a man called Simon, Simon. He later became known as Peter. Jesus said to him, follow me and I will make you what? Become fishers of men. Um, so give some attention to this word make. I'll make you. It means to fashion, form or construct, uh, to make a thing out of something. You would have to agree with me that Simon, which was his name meant the reed blown by the wind. Simon, the guy who, 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 who changed and drifted and, you know, never had any kind of confidence uh, Simon became Peter, which meant that rock, not the rock the church was built on, by the way, but just a rock, a strong, solid person. And he changed from a man with little purpose and little direction in life to become an incredible advocate for Jesus Christ, the leader of the 12 disciples in many ter- ways. He was, he, was, he was of all the disciples, he undertook an incredible change, incredible change. The reed became Peter, that little rock that God used. One of the most incorrect things you can say about yourself is this, well, I'm just like that. That's just me. Well, that's just the person I am. That's just the person you married. Stop saying that. Because you can change. Well, that's who I am. Stop saying it. Because you can change. Why would you declare yourself finished when God hasn't? Well, that's just the way I am. I am what I am. God says, hang on a minute. Not finished. And some of us use our personalities as an excuse for poor marriage or bad relationships or as if our personalities are immovable. And yet the Bible says we're all being changed from what? Glory to glory. And the truth is we can declare we serve a God of change. Oh, sing about it. But we're so stuck in our ways. Well, this is who I am. God is not finished, which means I can change. So if God's not finished, then I can continue. And if I can continue, 
I can change. And now we come to the third thought. If I can continue and I can change, then I can be confident. I am confident. I can be confident about just my future. They're all C's. Continue, change, confident. Philippians 1.6 says, Being confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the what? The day of Jesus Christ. That means Jesus returns. He will, com- he will complete it. He will complete it. He'll continue. He will continue. I'm excited about how, you know, I probably, let's be honest, I might have another 30 years. That'd be good, wouldn't it? Man, I can get better than I am. That's exciting. I'm not, not far from good, but there's a whole, there's a, there's a lot of years yet. I can, for God, I can get better. Now, my focus isn't just about being better. I want to be more like Jesus. It's not about me. It's about often His purposes and His will and, and what He wants to do in other lives. But it's exciting, isn't it? No matter how many years, you know, we can get better. And we can, we can be confident in this. There's one thing that gives me confidence about everything else. My confidence is the fact that He began it and He will finish it. That gives me a great confidence. You know, there was a couple kings in the Bible, very famous. One was Saul, one was David. Saul was the first king of Israel. You, you might know the story. But he, he, became, um, he got sidetracked and derailed in his, in his mind at, through that, that process of being king. And he started to become very jealous of David and hated David. And to a point, I mean, David was his son-in-law. Talk about in-laws. <laughs> anyway, Saul wanted to eventually see David killed. Saul went to great lengths to try and kill his son-in-law. Chased him around the desert. Ten years. Never eventually killed him. Saul, why was... What was wrong, uh, Saul? Why? Because he certainly had opportunity. You know, um, he, he, there was something happening in Saul's life. I tell you what it was. I believe is he lacked confidence in who he really was as the king of Israel. And yet we look at David in such a contrast. Do you know David had two opportunities to kill his father-in-law? Could have wiped him out. Could have wiped him out. No problem at all. Why didn't he wipe him out? Because he had confidence in his God that he wasn't finished yet. And why should I short track God's work in me by killing Saul prematurely when God's not finished yet? And why should God, and often in our lives, that's the stuff, there was stuff yet to be worked out in David's life. And I, I want to I suggest to you this morning, you see the struggle and the challenge can often sometimes in your life be an indication that God is just not finished with you yet. And it's okay, just submit yourself to it and continue and let Him change and have confidence that He began a good work will continue because He's not finished. And David knew that, but that's why he didn't take things into his own hands. Sometimes you and I take things into our own hands and say, I will sort this out. Why don't you let God continue to sort it out and trust? him you don't it's it's difficult to stay in the challenge and the struggle i want to run from that thing get me away but it's never really gone is it it's always a problem here until we deal with it in here see the astonishing fact is that not that jesus church had to touch again but the amazing thing is jesus did touch the blind men again until it became right and god is not finished yet I'm not sure where you are at this morning. Maybe you've looked up and, and everything still looks a bit hazy and blurry in life. And the message this morning is that God believes in us. And so hang on because God, come on, God's not finished what? Yet. God's not finished yet. 
and that situation that you just despise and hate and that challenge and that struggle and that thing or that addiction or that habit or that attitude. I tell you, God, would you hang on? Would you continue and let him change you? And then as you continue, it's amazing the confidence you can have that he will continue. You can confidence you can have, not in yourself, but in him, in him. I thought we'd just for a moment this morning as before we close this service is we'll share communion together. Because if there was ever an incredible moment in history that was a change agent for humanity, it was the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It says in Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2, looking unto Jesus, looking unto Jesus, the author says, the author and the, and the author and the finisher of our faith, that's Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him, that's Jesus, for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, and he despised the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And Jesus allowed himself to die on a Roman cross, folks, not because Jesus had some things to deal with and God needed to punish him. No, Jesus took the punishment that we deserved, and it wasn't Jesus who God wasn't finished with, it was it was. Uh, with us that God hadn't finished with us. It was with the, the, there's a lot of people on the day of Jesus' crucifixion, they thought, finally he's getting his just desserts. This radical preacher, he's finally. And, and, and to the Pharisees, they felt God was justifying them by seeing Jesus dead. But it wasn't about Jesus copying the punishment, it was about him taking the punishment so that because we, God didn't want to be finished with us. He, he had still work to do in our lives. And part of it was this coming to the reality and understanding that we needed a relationship restored with God. And Jesus' death and resurrection was that doorway, that gateway through which we could travel through His death and resurrection that we could be restored in relationship with God. Thanks. You can just, thank you very much. That was the... Jesus was the gate, the door for us to go through. And he made it possible through his death to be forgiven for our sin and him becoming that sacrifice once and for all for us. The joy Jesus, it talks about it for the joy that was set before him. The joy Jesus saw, you wouldn't go to a Roman cross and be flogged and whipped and, and nailed to a board. Uh, if there was nothing you could see beyond, Jesus went to that cross with a joy because he could see beyond the cross. He despised the shame all the shameful things that happened to him. And he said, you know why I'm joyful? Because people will now be able to repent of their sin and come to me and thus have relationship with God. Jesus continued to the cross, even though it was the hardest thing he was ever going to do. He did it for us so we can continue. Jesus continued to the cross. He knew he was going to die on a cross one day. He continued. He didn't pull back. He went for it. He had a desire at one moment in the garden, in the Gethsemane, we said, Father, if it's possible, take this cup of suffering from me. But he says, not my will, but your will be done. So there was this moment of humanity in Jesus' mind. Oh, God, if you can't take it from me, take it. But not me, but you. We can, he continued, so can we. Jesus made it possible for us to change as he surrendered, as we surrender our lives to him and receive the new life in Christ. Paul, uh, one of the gospel, uh, one of the writers of the New Testament said, it's no longer I that lives, but who? Christ that can live within me. 
And as we celebrate, as we take of the cup this morning, communion, we're, we're coming to a moment where we just can be thankful because of Jesus, that Christ, through the Holy Spirit, can dwell within us. And Jesus was confident that it would make a difference in our lives. That's why He endured the cross. It says He endured the cross, and then He sat down at the right hand of the God. What did He endure? He, his endurance. He was confident about enduring because it was going to make a difference for us. So today, out of reverence and just admiration for Him, could we stand today and take this, um, take this today? 1 Corinthians 11, I'll read it to you as my closing verse. It says, For I received from the Lord, as I also asked the team to come up. I know that you're in the middle of that, but as, as you come up. For I received from the Lord that which I delivered to you. This is, um, this is uh, Paul speaking, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. That the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was portrayed, portrayed took bread. And when he when had given thanks... He broke it and said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Please don't eat and drink just yet. But just hang a sec. I know we're all, it's okay to peel it off, but just hold it for a moment. And then verse 25, in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread or drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. This morning, just before we eat and drink, I wonder if today I'd, you could step out today and say, you know what, I know God's not finished with me, and I think that I'm finished with myself. I think I'm finished, but God's declaring over you today, you're not finished. God's got a future and a hope for you, Jeremiah 11 says, and if today you know that that uh, is an area where you just need to say, God, today I'm surrendering afresh. I'm just giving over afresh. And I've said that I've got no hope. There's no future. Don't believe the lie. I'm saying, no, God has got a, a future and a hope. Today, before you partake, if you so desire, how about you come to the front this morning and just before Him partake of communion, before Him declare, uh, your uh, love for Him. Declare, God, I need you. How about you step out in, in, in by faith this morning? We're not going to pray. I'll just pray a general prayer. But today, if that's you, you just say, Father, I think there's sometimes we're going to put some action to uh, what's been challenging our heart. Don't just, come on. So before we partake, I ask, I'm going to pray. And you're welcome just to come forward before God. Make your peace and stand before Him today. Say, God, I need you. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. Father, I thank you, Jesus, that you shed your blood for us. And this, uh, this simple grape juice represents that blood was shed. I thank you for that this morning. That it represents, um, God, your sacrifice of your son, Jesus. Thank you for that today. I could be forgiven of sin today. Today, if, Lord, we thank you for your body that was broken. It represents the reality of you hanging on a cross and that uh, one day you receive the new body and we will too. And we thank you today. We remember it today and praise you and thank you. And we give you all the honor and praise. So right now, 
and that we eat and drink in remembrance of Jesus. And let's thank you today. Thank you, Father. Thank you.